This is WPCast, the tactical podcast where we help you accelerate your business with WordPress. I'm Doug from PodWP, where we specialize in designing and hosting podcast websites. And I'm David from FatCat Apps, where we build WordPress plugins such as easy pricing tables and easy opt-ins that drive conversions. This is episode 26, Entering the Startup Matrix with Dan Morris. Maybe you've got a special guest, Dan, on the show. But uh, first, first, before we go to the interview, just a quick reminder. You still have the opportunity to win a Sapir t-shirt when you go back and listen to our last week's uh, Sapir episode or go to wpcast.fm slash Sapir. How are you doing, Dan? Good. How are you? I'm great. Um, it's really good to have you. Um, I think uh, both Doug and I, we've been talking about having you on the podcast for a while because uh, you're just you're just such a influencer and you're, uh, the content that you're producing is amazing and you're releasing books and, you know, like three different businesses at the same time. You're just everywhere. It seems like you're working all the time too. You're bringing up all the bad things. We should yeah. just talk about the good things. Doing 20 things <laughs> at once. Yeah. So... You're the founder of WP Curve, which is a WordPress support service, and you've also just launched a book called The Seven Day Startup. Do you want to tell us some yep, more about co-founder. that? Co-founder. Alex will, Alex will get pissed off if you say founder. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the book is really just about more what happened before I started WP Curve and the things I did wrong, and then some of the things I got right when I launched WP Curve, and that's going really well. That just That's just on Amazon. and I've been really amazed by how that's going and the service is going really well. We do WordPress support unlimited small jobs and we charge a monthly fee, $69. And we've, yeah, we've just, from day one, we've just hit traction and it hasn't really stopped. And it's just, it's getting to a crazy point. Like last week we had to turn our sign-up form off because we had too many people signing up. So that was a first. Wow. But, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an amazing sort of 16 months since we started it. So do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about the story of how, how it actually got started and where you were before that? Yeah, so I'd worked, I'd worked sort of with WordPress for a long time because I've been doing a like, typical freelancing type agency gig. I worked for myself for, I think, seven years and I, I couldn't, really, couldn't really figure out how to make it into a good business. So I ended up selling it for not a whole lot of money, just enough to give myself a year. And I worked on a software project for a year, which ended up failing pretty badly to the point where I was a couple of weeks away from having to get a job and so back up here I for a second some of the people listening to this podcast they're probably going to be WordPress consultants and like, like you were back in the day building websites for uh, customers what was your thought process behind deciding to get out of that you know game and sell sell the business and try to launch a software company you just work you were working really hard and you didn't really make much money and that's that's kind of that was kind of the issue yeah, d- yeah, exactly. So I, I, I mean, I'm, I think that was the problem, and and I couldn't solve that problem. So I couldn't, I couldn't build something scalable. I tried a bunch of different ways of fixing it. You know, I tried to hire people. I tried to really focus in on one one type of service. I tried tried to do high end stuff and not low end, and that didn't work. So then I went super low end and tried to do like really cheap hosting and theme like cheap theme based template sites and that kind of stuff, and that didn't work. And Every time I tried something new, it just would kind of increase revenue a little bit, but it wouldn't increase the amount of money I was making. And I kind of just always knew it wasn't. I wasn't doing something that was really all that significant or scalable, and I wanted to. So, 
yeah, the choice was really to could I turn that into what I wanted it to be, which was something that was going to have more impact and something that was scalable, or should I just scrap it and give up and try something else? And eventually, I'd I'd tried enough things and and decided to get rid of it and start again from scratch. Yeah, and I think that's something similar that I actually encountered back in the day when I was doing SEO consulting. I I had the same type of problems. Um, you know, when I was increasing revenue, my profits didn't go up, but the workload increased. So I I think there's a lot of service provider in uh, this situation. And then you launched what was it? Web Web Control Room informally, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, th I think it would be different now because there's so much content around on like productized services and. There's so many companies like WP Curve and other like recurring type services that are popping up where like if I was like if you were to start a business now, you probably just wouldn't even you probably wouldn't even start that kind of freelancing type business. You would probably just put a, a site up, which is what I see people doing all the time now is putting a site up, you know, like ours. It's just pay 80 bucks a month or something as opposed to just who do I have to go meet with and work out what I can do for them, which is what I did and which is probably what a lot of people in your audience have done. But If you were doing it now, there's, there's, there's like a bit of a path you can follow. Whereas back then, I, I really just had no clue what to do. So I, so I kind of came to the conclusion that I couldn't do services. I had to do software if I wanted to build something significant and something scalable. Yeah. And I tried to do that for a year and it didn't work. And then I kind of out of desperation got back into services. So I remember you, that was probably a couple of months or so before you know, you, you ran out of money uh, before you launched WP Curve. I remember you talking in the, in the, in that forum where we hang out, you were talking about, you know, you, how you've been there and done that with service businesses and how yeah. it, you just didn't figure out how to scale them. And that's why you're doing software. But then you ended up coming full circle because you, you ran out of money and you were, you were facing, you know, like having to get a job. Yeah. And plus I, I structured the new service in a way that was, was solving all of those old problems. You know, I, I structured in a way that meant it was going to grow every month. It was going to be in a yeah. big market. I wasn't going to be limiting myself to local clients. I wasn't going to be struggling to find staff because I couldn't, you know, I was doing so many things that I'd have to hire, hire local staff with yeah. a whole bunch of weird and wonderful skills. So I kind of took the best bits of the software business and, You know, I mean, the good thing about a service business is you can launch launch them very quickly and very cheaply. So that's the best thing about services. Plus, they've generally got a very a very high appeal in terms of like market size because everyone has problems and they need someone to come along and fix them. And software can't fix everything. So I, I think I kind of fluked it in a way. I, I mean, I, I thought about how I can launch a service in a way that would have the traits of a software company as opposed to going back and doing what I did before and. I mean, in my head, I thought it would work, and luckily, it it did in practice. Yeah. Well, you found out pretty quickly. You got a, a very quick customer base. I, I think you had, um, well, you would know better, but you surpassed your revenue from Informally in a much shorter time frame. Yeah. So the Informally was the analytics dashboard, and I'd, I'd done that for a year, and I had four hundred and seventy six dollars in monthly recurring revenue. And it was costing me about two grand a month just to keep it going wow. with staff and whatnot. So, and I, plus I, I had other costs, like I had Infusionsoft. I'd, I'd sort of set this stuff up and I had a really good developer and I, I really didn't want to, like, I, re I really didn't want to get rid of my developer and shut down Infusionsoft and mm -hmm. like all that kind of stuff. So part of me was like, I just want to get this to be covering costs. But yeah, after a week with WP Curve, I had that exact same $476 in monthly revenue which is kind of funny, but that was only about 10 customers. Yeah. And then every week since, we've signed up probably another 10 
almost yeah almost in that kind of consistency yeah one of the things that i think is is especially impressive is you've you've been managing double digit percentage growth i think every single month is that right yeah except for one okay. out of 15 months we've grown at more than 10% and the one we didn't grow at 10% i think we grew at 5% and we've had plenty where we grew by 15 and 20 as well so i've got a question in regards to so when you launched wp curve um in some ways, you still had the audience, so you did this amazing job and you, you are still doing this amazing job with content marketing. You're, I don't know how many blog posts you're writing per week. It's, it's crazy. Um, but, but you've been doing that for a couple of years now. And that was also how you built this really big audience for the reporting uh, informally business. So none of those people converted, but then when you launched WP Curve, how important do you think that audience and, you know, like all those, you know, 10,000 monthly visitors and the email list that you built up. How, how important was it in when you launched informally, uh, when you launched WP Curve? Do you think it would have been as easy to launch without, if you wouldn't have had that? Or you would have been successful either well, way? Well, it, it definitely wouldn't have been as easy, but it, it wasn't, well, a few things. It wasn't a massive audience. It was only, I think when I launched it was, my email list was about maybe four and a half thousand or something like that. And yeah. um, that was from a year of, working on informally, but most of those email signups didn't come from my content. Most of them came from signing up for a free version of informally. So a lot of the people who got on the list weren't on the list for my content. And and I mean, they stayed on there because my content was kind of useful to them. But yeah, so, so I think the list has always been not like the most active list because it's kind of been a bit of a weird hodgepodge of how people got on there. Like I had, I had, I think fifteen hundred people from my last business. That was the only asset I took from my last business. I had to restart all of my mm -hmm. social media, and I couldn't contact the clients. But once I took the clients off the list, I had about fifteen hundred people from there, and that was built up over years. And then informally, it was about three or four thousand who'd used the app. And then WP Curve was people who, you know, got the content or downloaded a P PDF report or something like that. Um, so it's kind of a bit of a weird list, and it's really impossible to say how useful it is i think i think a lot of people see that i do a lot of content assume that mm -hmm. the content directly sends us leads but that's not really what happens i think a lot of the content has been brand building and you know recognition type stuff yeah. where people people know who i am they they know about wp curve because i've launched it we get mentioned everywhere and that's been a right. process of you know just being active in the forums and helping other people and you know mm -hmm. having podcast guests on and just all the content's really, really good for that, but it's not like a direct relationship with lead generation. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can't really answer the question. I mean, the thing is with content is you don't really know. I, I really have no idea. I know in the last two and a half weeks, we had something like 100 signups for WP Curve, and mm -hmm. I don't think we released a single blog post during that period. So, Interesting. you know, it really is all word of mouth, but I think it all kind of kicked off with that content and the goodwill that I and the trust yeah. that I built up through the last year. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess it's difficult to measure and... And you were actually working at that, at that problem as well at some point, um, like trying to measure uh, content marketing effectiveness. Um, it does seem yeah. to be very difficult, but now, you know, if I've got a development team, so I don't really need WP Curve, but if I ever were in a situation where I would need it, you know, like I know that you have it and, you know, I'm going to go to your site and sign up. Yeah, I think it's more, I think the, the word of mouth, it's, it's an easy service to understand. It's like yeah. a, once once you start being mentioned in the conversations between people like you and me and Dan Andrews and all the other guys that are talking, you know, that are putting out entrepreneurship type content, then it's easily understood and it's a problem that a lot of people have. So it's it's easily transferable. I think that word of mouth is 
and the trust is kind of what's driving the growth. It's not it's not like the yeah. actual it's not like my amazing useful content that people are like oh this content's really useful I should sign up for WP Curve. So to uh, to change gears a little bit, you shared with us your presentation from WordCamp Sydney, and so we're going to link up to that in the show notes along with everything else. And one of the things we wanted to talk about was this startup matrix that you have. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, it might be the sort of thing that's hard to explain via a podcast, which it didn't cross my mind until I just looked at it and realized I have to explain it. But it's a very pretty picture. So just go to your show notes, whatever the URL is, and have a look. But yeah, this is this was a presentation. This this is like the first presentation I've done, I think, as an entrepreneur at a conference. And it was at the end of it was about two or three months ago, and it was at WordCamp. So it was for people who were I didn't even know if, if a lot of the people there were had businesses or what. So I didn't really know what mm-hmm. to expect. So I put this together as a way of like saying if you if you're going to be starting a business in the WordPress space, then you've got a bunch of options about what sort of business you start. And some of them are going to be a lot better from a growth point of view than others. And so, and what I found out with that presentation was a lot of the people who who were in the audience were people who owned agencies or were doing freelancing. And they were the business models that were at the bottom of my list. So the the Mm -hmm. presentation went down quite well because it kind of really resonated with people in the aspects of having an agency, for example. Yeah. Because... Because you've got so many different things you're working on. Like in my agency, I was working on SEO, I was doing hosting, I was doing copywriting, I was doing design, I was doing development support. God, I think at one point I was even doing paid ads. It, if I was to actually work out the cost for all of those things and then work out how much I was charging the clients, then I was I was just not making any money. Like it was just fundamentally unprofitable. And a lot of agencies in, in freelance type businesses work that way. They're, they're profitable as long as the owner's doing all the work, but if you're not, then they're not profitable. Um, and that makes it impossible to grow. So that's a, a big red flag. And there's a bunch of things like that that are traits of an agency-type business that aren't traits of something like software as a service or a recurring services business. And this matrix-type diagram is just pointing those things out and so, showing you the, the ones that are, are – more green means good for growth, more red means bad for growth. Right, and basically, it's ranked. Uh, it, it's it's ranked on a you know spectrum, starting at SaaS, software as a service, which is probably the best business model, uh, followed by service as a service, similar to what you're doing with WP Curve, followed by plugins or themes, which is what I'm doing with Fatcat Apps, followed by membership sites, info products, freelance, and then agency. You, you actually gave agency the worst rating, even worse. He's last. Sorry, <laughs> yep. sorry to everyone in your audience. Yeah, I mean, I can so break I, down I, any of those if you want. Or And then, so on, just for our audience who, who uh, hasn't seen this yet, uh, on the other side, the other axis of this matrix, the five things that you're scoring are profit, market, assets, uh, simple, and recurring. So these are, I guess, the, the attributes that you want to look for to make you know, the ideal business. Yeah, well, this is, this is specifically looking at growth, so... When I sat down to write the seven-day startup book, I, I st- it actually started out as a an email course about business growth, and I started thinking about the like what are the things that is are causing WP Curve to grow so quickly, as opposed to my last business, which just just couldn't grow. Um, yeah. And you know, the first thing was it, it was actually profitable. Like I, I know how much it costs us estimated from day one, how much it costs us to have a client for a month, and how much we make from that client in a month. And I've roughly estimated that we make twice as much as it cost us. So 
so there's profit there. Whereas with an agency, there's no profit. So there's that. There's launching in a really big market, and I know that there's 70 million WordPress sites, and there's a very big percentage of those that could run into problems and need need solutions. So operating in a huge market makes it easier to grow because you're never hitting ceilings and you're not kind of getting stuck in a little niche. Assets is one that you know means that if you're building, especially with something like software, you're building you're building growth factors into your business because you're doing things that other people can't do, creating like intellectual property um, or some kind of other assets like a recurring customer mm-hmm. list and that kind of thing, integrations or something. Think things that uh, don't rely on you as the founder or the owner as much. Yeah, and, and that's why you see a lot of like the, a lot of the companies that get funded are like physical product businesses or or software businesses because they're naturally by them being in business and doing what they do, they're naturally building assets that are difficult for other people to copy. And that's difficult to do with all of these other types of businesses, um, including services. The other thing I sort of noticed was just the simple nature of the service itself is is like, is it something so simple that people can understand really quickly? Like they can mm-hmm. look at your page for an average, you know, 30 seconds and understand what you do. Even if they don't sign up, they can tell their friends what you do. Or is it just like this guy does websites and, you know, what does that mean? Who who actually gets referred for that? So it's something that's super simple that people can understand. And then predictable revenue has been, the, you know, the biggest thing because you can completely pr- predict what's coming the next month and you can make decisions much faster than everyone else. And for us, it's recurring, but you could replace that with predictable, I think, if you had a really predictable business that wasn't necessarily recurring. Um, and there's other examples of that. Recurring is probably the, the preference if you can get it. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about the, you know, this whole concept of, I, I love this matrix and everybody check it out. Um, it's going to be in our show notes. And I also love this concept of um, the seven day startup, you know, process that, that you have. And again, you, you spent a year and a lot of money on building something that it turned out nobody really wanted. And then the next business you launched within seven days and it was really successful. Can you tell us a bit more about the process? Yeah, well, I mean, the fundamental issue, I think, for me was that I was making decisions based on things that, was, you know, was something other than what the customer was doing or telling me or paying me for. So, and this is what every entrepreneur does. I mean, everyone makes these mistakes. They make decisions, they make plans, they have grand ideas, they read books, they read blogs, listen to podcasts, and, you know, or they do surveys or they listen to gurus or they look at what other companies are doing, other entrepreneurs are doing. You make these decisions based on all sorts of things other than what the customer is doing. And what that means is that you're ultimately making the decision based on assumptions. And, you know, more often than not, those assumptions are wrong when it actually comes to testing ideas with customers. So I think there's, like, before I wrote the seven-day startup, there was plenty of content around on validation, which which is sort of testing your ideas before mm-hmm. you double down on whatever you're doing. But there wasn't really anyone saying, like, validation doesn't actually work that well you know especially when you don't have a huge audience especially when you're a bootstrap founder and you don't have access to huge amounts of funds and you can't move as quickly as a funded company i tried what i thought was validation and it failed miserably right and that was another thing that led to writing the book because i wrote this big post out of kind of desperation you know saying like i tried everything and yeah i just i just wasn't able to tell if people wanted this but with wp curve i was able to tell after one week and that was partly because it was a really easy service to launch in one week and partly because I just threw all these other assumptions out the window and just decided I would launch it and see what happened. And that's that's really the book's about that story and it's about 
kind of firing up other entrepreneurs to do the same thing and get to launch and yeah. move from being a entrepreneur to, to being an entrepreneur. Okay, so one thing I'd like to talk about is we just talked about SaaS and, you know, like building WordPress plugins and all this stuff you have in your matrix. How are you going to launch that within a week? Well, the, uh, the, the book goes into more detail around what types of businesses you should launch. And I've got, I think, nine or 10 different criteria for a really good idea for a bootstrap company. This, this matrix is, is just about growth factors. So this is like, how do I have a business model that grows? But right. the book goes into detail about what, what, what are like the nine or 10 things that represent good, good aspects of an idea. And the first one is, how, is if you can launch it quickly. Yeah. Because if you can't launch it quickly, then you're at an immediate disadvantage. And, and that's a, you know, like there's plenty of opportunities you'll have later on to work on something that's going yeah. to take you a while to launch. But if you want to roll the dice on your first project as being something you're going to work on for a year, then you're taking an enormous risk. So I yeah. think, and in my case, I compromise. Like like mm-hmm. services is not the top of this matrix. It's it's software is the top of it. But yeah. it's very, very, very difficult to launch software quickly. Right. Um, and I do have examples in the book of people who've done that. And I think I think Bear Metrics just got half a million dollars in funding since I wrote oh, wow. the book. And that was one of the examples I had in there. And he, he was able to launch in one week, but there's just not too many examples. I, I came up with three or four, and I only mentioned one of them in the book because I think software is just a very difficult thing to do yeah. for a first-time entrepreneur, yeah. um, and it's difficult to do quickly. I think that's a good point uh, that you're making. You know, part of the reason that I uh, built a WordPress plugin business and I built this Easy Pricing Tables plugin is because software as a service in particular just seemed like such an incredibly challenging thing, which would be a really bad thing to get into for a first-time entrepreneur. But uh, there's one other thing that I would like you to expand on a little bit is, so Rob Walling asked you that same question, his podcast, and you the, the response that you gave him is that, you know, most, most software-as-a-service products probably could be launched as productized services initially. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that's exactly how I answered it, but I think, I think there is definitely, like, a lot of manual work you could do instead of launching the software. And I know in my case, like with the reporting, I sat down and I took a year to build this, effectively took a year to build and validate this idea of having dashboards. But really I could have, if I really wanted to know whether people had this problem and wanted to pay for it, I could have just started a service and said, I'll analyze your data from all your different sources and send you a monthly report and charge it 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month or something. And I would start working with customers who are paying me straight away. Or I could have just made it look like a software and just said informally pulls all your data together and shows you a beautiful report. And I could have people sign up, click a button, identify their services, and then I could manually crunch the numbers and send it through and see what kind of reaction people had. I think it's like one of the other difficult things is sometimes you read too much into what happens when you launch something. And I've made this mistake before as well where – We've launched a community and we've got all this traction straight away and it's like, wow, this is amazing. This is this thing is going to explode. And then after a month, the cracks start, start to show and you kind of start realizing that this – and we with our community, we shut it down after two months because people just churned out of there and it was just falling apart. So I think like the idea of getting to paid customers as soon as possible and then gradually working on something is a much smarter way to go for an entrepreneur than – trying to launch with a big bang. I mean, for a first-time entrepreneur, try to launch with a big bang and kind of assume if it goes well, then you've got a good business on your hands because it's sort of like what happens every month that's important, not not just what happens in the first month. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And 
uh, interesting anecdote for me when I launched Easy Pricing Tables Premium. I had an email list of a couple hundred people or so, and you know, I sent them a special offer, and I think I had like a three-day launch sequence, and I made like sixty dollars. But then, you know, after a while, you know, the plugin has stuck around, and you know, now it's making some pretty good sales. But uh, my launch was super uneventful. Yeah, and that's and sometimes you don't know. Like it's even like with my book, I I, I have absolutely no idea, and I still. I look forward to the day where I have any clue what's going to happen when I launch something, but I still don't. I just have absolutely no idea what's going to happen when I launch something. And the book now is selling like 50 to 60 copies a day on Amazon. And it's actually driving re- – like it's it's actually – I'm actually getting paid like a reasonable – I think I get like $3 a copy or something. Oh, nice. So I'm actually getting paid like a fair bit of money at the moment for this book. I'm getting – I've got at least like two deals for it to be translated, which is uh, which is where they pay you like a – an advance of like a thousand bucks or something. I don't know. I don't really understand it. But anyway, I'm making money from this book and I never expected I would. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, yeah, definitely the, it's what happens every month that's important rather than what happens at the start. And and I mean, the book had a good launch as well, but it's, you, you just never know. And especially, I mean, maybe you do eventually. I mean, a lot of, you hear a lot of entrepreneurs kind of saying that they know the formula for doing things and they've been around a while and whatever, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. I think you, you kind of just never really know what's going to happen. So you're better off just getting to that situation where you're dealing with real customers and um, not focusing too much on a huge launch. So just looking back at the matrix, it looks like you've pretty much done every type of business that's on here. <laughs> and probably and more. You've got, uh, you've tried the membership uh, info products, which is doing well. Um, I imagine you started freelance before it became an agency. Yeah, I've also done um, I've also done selling like physical products which I don't have on there. Oh. <laughs> but yep. yeah, I, I think I've probably had a crack. I'm also making beer. I haven't got beer on there. <laughs> <laughs> Just about every type of business. I think I've never run a franchise. Maybe I can do that next. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like so you you said you're doing the beer company and there's also some kind of software as a service that you're involved with right now. It's What's the name of that? It's kind of like Slack, but with the built-in live chat, right? Yeah, it's called Helloify. So people can go to helloify.com and it's it's uh, messaging for business. So it's sending people messages via your SMS or via mobile app or via your website and then enabling businesses to handle that communication in one spot and have all their team in there so they can kind of respond to clients quicker and, and make customers happier. Cool. So, but what, what's the deal? Like, why are you, you know, what, I guess the beer company is, it's a fun side project, but uh, WP Curve is growing really fast and it's, you know, in, on this amazing, amazing growth curve. Uh, you're doing so well with WP Curve. Why are you getting into this new project? Well, because I could just can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but you just want to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, the, for a while, I was just kind of like WP Curve is a really easy business to run, and I don't know if I don't know if I should be like saying that because I probably sound like a wanker saying you're, that. But... You're already getting how many how many clones do you think you've gotten over the last year? People are even yeah. you know copying how many what uh, how many clones of WP Curve? Oh yeah, you know, people are stealing your you, design you, and your even your copywriting and your content. And the, and your bio, and your pictures, website. even. Oh, you shared that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Well, they can they can do that, and I can just do my other projects, and everyone's happy. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, with with WP Curve, like I, the, the way it kind of runs at the moment is like Alex in the US does what he does to manage the team, and and when he's not specifically working on it, he'll just be out meeting with entrepreneurs and you know kind of networking and whatever. And me over here, I'm I'm doing the same thing, and then when I'm not 
directly managing the team, which I sort of don't do anyway because I've got someone who does that. Then I'm writing content or I'm doing other things. And and this opportunity came along and it's just something I'm really interested in and something I'm excited to work on. And the beer, the beer is the same. Like I I think that could, that could be a really good opportunity as well. I mean, it's sort of like a pretty difficult business to run and make money on, but at the same time, it, it, it could lead to something really good. So um, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm just do- doing a bunch of different things. I've, I've always wanted to do some sort of business that's outside the online marketing type thing as well because yeah, I've always thought like the content marketing skills would translate really well into more traditional sort of business and that, that is turning out to be true. So, so that, that's been really interesting. So what, one interesting thing that you mentioned uh, to me about the peer is that uh, the biggest problem with it is that the margins are really thin, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's really only, well, there's probably a few ways you can go about it. But at the moment, we're brewing at someone else's facility, which costs us a fair bit of money and reduces the margins further. So we really don't make much at all. If you had your own facility, you really have to make a lot of it to get the kind of economies to get a reasonable margin. Or you just, I think you just kind of do it for fun and do it somewhere else and don't take it too seriously. I don't know. I'm just sort of still trying to understand it all. But I I think we're probably going to have to, you know, build our own facility if we're going to do like exactly what we want to do, which is, you know, start start a whole new brand and, and kind of really make a, a dent in the craft beer scene where we are. But yeah, it's definitely a fun business. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, um, Sounds like a great project. And it's a passion project and, and working with working with totally different people as well, which is cool because I'm sort of only ever used to working with like online geeks, which is which is cool, but it's different to be working with, you know, like a brewer and a, uh, my, my best mate Eddie who's just like, goes around the pubs and talks to the owners and makes shit happen. So it's, it's been super fun. Right. Um, I guess, so we're, we're over, uh, I've actually, I got a last question. Um, if you don't have any more, uh, Doug, so you've got the, you've also got a, then you've got a great list of, um, business ideas in your seven day startup book. There's some really interesting stuff in there. I'm just wondering, is there anything that, you know, to you personally, if, you know, if you, if you would have, if you would get rid of WP Curve and, you know, you, you wouldn't have the audience that you have and everything that you're involved in right now, you, you would not have if you were to start from scratch. But knowing everything that you know, is there any business in particular that you that you would be interested in starting? Yeah, I think the I'm really interested in the, the other incarnations of WP Curve where it's yeah. not in online development. It's just something totally different like accounting or... Mm-hmm. or like some kind of advice. Like I was listening to a podcast the other night with the guy from Better, which is like a, a health app, which is effectively just a live chat app. But the, but instead of you using the app, you're, you're chatting with like a personal health per, person who manages you getting all your medications and your doctor's appointments and giving you advice and all that kind of stuff. So I think those kind of businesses are really cool. And the, the other one is um, another example I had in the book was the home cleaning one, which was a lady who's like, well, I'm just going to, start a home cleaning business but i'm going to do it in a way where eventually it could become a really massive scalable business and i think that the types of businesses that you can start like the accounting is a perfect one example there's i think mm-hmm. there's a thread in the forum at the moment where someone's trying to kick kick that off yeah and i, I tell that to people all the time because i just think that is a perfect example where you could start that with probably two or three people you could just do exactly what we did with wp curve and it could yeah. be a gigantic business and so those are the kind of businesses where i think like you're, you're tapping into a bunch of trends and you can start small, but you can really build it, build it into like a world-class startup. And so, yeah, if I, if I wasn't doing WP Curve, then I would be doing something in a totally different field, but with the same sort of concepts, I think. Interesting. Another one that I think would be interesting is to do WP Curve for 
Magento. Magento is really, compared to WordPress, Magento is really, really difficult uh, to maintain. And you just need some kind of part-time developer to kind of, you know, look after your site and do the upgrades. And it's a huge pain point that a lot of those uh, store owners have. And usually somebody running a Magento store is making a lot of money. You know, it's not something that if you, if you start your first e-commerce store and you don't make any sales, that's not what you use. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, so you there's, could, a, few, could, like, there's a few nice things about WP Curve. The, the, one of the nice things is it's easy to, for us to find staff that can work on WordPress because ah, yeah, it's like almost universal. That's that's, Magento that's, is a real pain in the ass. And, right. I, and I know someone who's running that, trying to kick that business off. Uh, and they have to charge, you know, 10 times as much as we charge because the staff are costing them 10 times as much. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say is you, you could charge a lot more. But I guess that is the downside as well. It's going to be difficult to find uh, people, you know, who are proficient with Magento. That seems to be a huge pain point. Yeah, but I mean, you could. You, there's, there's no doubt you could do exactly what we're doing for every other platform, and this and people are doing that all over the shop. I mean, people are doing exactly what we're doing for our platform. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of people people doing it for other platforms, and I'm I'm sure it's. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we have to work out still, and we've had a good run, but um, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities for taking this sort of model and doing it in in a whole bunch of different types of industries. I'm I'm more interested in the like the the non-traditional online type industries because mm. I think those ones are the ones where there's just huge growth, like something like accounting. Like I just think like every, every single business owner has that problem yep. and accountants are just so old school. They're so – they just they just don't get it. And so if you can create a service that really solves this problem, it would just be huge and, and you'd really stand out. So I think those kind of industries are more interesting than the online ones. But having said that, there's still, there's still lots of opportunities in, in all the different platforms online as well. I like the idea of taking your marketing and design skills from this very competitive, you know, internet marketing environment and taking it to a market that's a lot less uh, competitive, where the bar is a lot lower, and where you could even with the beer where you said where you can have a real impact uh, with the content marketing because nobody else is doing stuff like that there. Yeah, I started writing. I was I was planning on writing a content marketing book, which I probably will if I ever get any time, or maybe I'll just dedicate a few weeks to it or something, but. And I started sort of thinking about all the different ways like people go about creating amazing content. And like one of the easiest ways you can do it is just to literally just write posts about what you're doing and just be transparent about what you're working on in your business. But if, if you were to do that now in like the online marketing type space, it just wouldn't be anywhere near enough. Like it just wouldn't be interesting enough because people have been doing it for years and years and they've got way more interesting stories yep. to tell than you and they're way more advanced and they know how to do amazing infographics and they know how to do amazing titles and they know how to get traction. And then like just doing that really basic level of like telling your story is just not going to work. But in more traditional businesses, like with our beer stuff, that kind of content's going down really well. Like, and, and literally we're just documenting what we're doing. We're like, this is what we did to get our first beer off the ground. This is what we did to make the labels. Um, and, and people are writing articles about our brand because we've become known for this kind of transparency and this wow. kind of content, which would just never, ever happen online if this was all you were doing. So um, that's a really cool thing. I think that's worth people looking into. And, and that's why I like the, the home cleaning example as well, because it's probably like the sort of business that literally everyone could start because the, the lady who was running Tidy.me, Stacy, just got on Gumtree and just hired like a bunch of cleaners and then just started running ads to, for people who wanted their house cleaned. Like you don't need... You don't need to have any kind right. of skill or investment to, to make that happen. You can just do that. And so that's, yeah, I think that's super cool. So Dan, that, that, was, that was really good. We didn't talk much about uh, WordPress yet. So I think we should mention that anybody listening to this podcast who 
has a you know who runs the business using WordPress and you don't have some kind of freelancer that you trust, uh, I think you should really sign up for WP Curve because there's so much stuff that can go wrong and it's just good to have somebody that you can trust who helps you fix issues and who back up your site and all this kind of stuff. Cool. Well, thank you. That's so, nice of you to say. So uh, the URL for Dan's website is wpcurve.com. And uh, just a reminder, his book is The Seven Day Startup. Uh, we highly recommend that you go check that out. And so we'll have links to all these as well as to his presentation with these with the matrix that we talked about uh, all in the show notes. So thanks for listening. The URL for this episode is going to be wpcast.fm slash wpcurve. So we'd love to have your comments, uh, questions, and if you'd, love, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we'd appreciate that too. Thanks for listening. You can go to wpcast.fm to download our WordPress toolbox, which contains our 50 favorite tools. We'll see you next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.